Welcome to Books in the Freezer, a podcast dedicated to the deliciously disturbing world of horror fiction. I'm your host, Stephanie, and today I am joined by Dana Schwartz. You know her from her podcast, Noble Blood and Haleywood, and she's here to talk to us about her novel, Anatomy, a love story. So Dana, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. This is very exciting. I am very excited to have you on. Uh, We were just talking about it being release week this week or the week before, I guess, is released. It comes out Tuesday, so it's within a week. Yeah. So have you been? You've been like checking Goodreads, not looking at stuff. I mean, do you have rituals for books coming out? Oh, it's incredibly unhealthy how often I like refresh Goodreads and like Amazon to check the the uh, rank of the book. But I'm just going to pretend I'm one of those people who's like, no, I'm just Zen. I don't as long as people, you know, whatever the book is, it is out in the world. I'm just, you know, drinking tea and reading my Balzac like but no I'm incredibly anxious and I want people to read the book and be excited about it I know and I those people I'm like that is so cool I will never be that person but I'm so happy for you yeah good for you good for your yoga zen meditation it sounds really healthy I'll be over here as a ball of anxiety and stress well how has it been promoting it I mean during a pandemic I know like a lot of in-person events are canceled so what does that look like Yeah, that's sort of like it's truly the champagne problem of the pandemic is that my in-person events were canceled. Think about like this summer. I thought I was going to be in the clear Mm -hmm. for a January release. I was so confident. Um, And unfortunately, yeah, pretty much all of my in-person events uh, were moved virtual, which again, I mean, the good news is it opens it up to a wider audience who can come from around the world. The bad side is, you know, I had a dress picked out I wanted to wear and writing a book is really lonely and it's just like really nice at the end of that tunnel when you get to interact with people and and feed off the energy of a crowd uh but hopefully for the next book or the paperback yeah you can have your like in-person reading yeah I had just to gear up to it hopefully people will like and buy the book enough that my uh uh editors decide that they can do that for the the next round of the book well do you want to tell our listeners a little bit about anatomy a love story yes uh so i if you've listened to noble blood which is the history podcast i do uh listeners will know that i'm deeply obsessed with slightly macabre history but this book is unlike the podcast completely fictional it's a novel about the dawn of surgery in 19th century edinburgh so like 1817 pre-anesthesia, back when being a surgeon meant um, having your patient, you know, bite down on a strap of leather and amputate his leg and fingers crossed you don't die of infection, like that era of surgery. Um, But it's a story about a young woman who wants to be a surgeon, and she's fascinated by uh, anatomy and the study of anatomy, and she sort of forges this unlikely alliance with a grave robber. And at the time, there was a pretty lucrative business of people who dug up dead bodies and sold them to surgeons who wanted to study anatomy. So that's the basic premise. And from there, there is a sort of like a murder mystery, maybe slightly Frankenstein-y <laughs> subplot that happens a little later on, but I'm not going to spoil anything beyond that. I had a good time with it. I kind of wanted to know what came first in the story. Was it the surgery angle? Was it the body snatcher? Like what piqued your interest to like start this? I mean, I think the history of body snatchers in Edinburgh is so fascinating to me. I 
first went to Edinburgh when I graduated from college and I was, you know, broke and staying in hostels and just trying to travel through as much of Europe as I could before I was forced to get a real job. And I first learned about uh, the resurrection men in Edinburgh who dug up graves. And there was even a case uh, of two men named Burke and Hare who murdered people staying at an inn to sell their bodies because it saved them the work of the digging. Um, And so that's sort of like, that was the spooky element. That was like the keystone where I was like, I want to write a book about this world. And of course, the fact that they sold these bodies to surgeons and, and doctors opened up the world. And then I just thought like, what's the most fun direction to take it from here? <laughs> so it was like, specific- I want people, oh, I was just saying, I want people to have like a, a good time and feel very escapisty. That's not a word. Uh, you know, but like, it's sort of a, a magical uh, old, I mean, it is old timey. It's the 1800s. But like, I wanted to feel like escapism. I hope it's just like a, a fun ride for people. I definitely felt that way. Thank you. Was that bigger in Edinburgh, the grave robbing resurrection men aspect of it? Yeah, Edinburgh to me just felt like the spooky cousin of London. If you go, there's this uh, cemetery that's right in the middle of like the main old town of Edinburgh called Greyfriars Kirkyard. And they still have some of the graves with these things called mort safes over them, which are these, they look like um, metal cages over the graves where if you had no idea what they were for, you'd be like, oh, they're to keep zombies from getting out. Uh, but they were the, just the opposite. They were to keep people from uh, digging up the bodies. <laughs> and so that, just being in the city, and the whole city, um, I don't know if you've had the the privilege of going, but it, like, it feels like out of a fairy tale. It's just like an unbelievably like spooky, inspiring city where it's rainy and misty and there's a lot of greenery, but a lot of old cobblestone streets. It felt ripe for a horror-adjacent gothic novel. I haven't been, no. I went to Germany a few years ago, and I know like that's our next trip we're planning is like that area. <laughs> oh, yeah. Germany feels, I mean, that also yes. feels old and spooky. Europe is all very yeah. old and spooky. Especially to like us in America, like going somewhere, everything is just so much older than anything here. <laughs> it's wild. Right? They're like, ah, oh, this is from 1400. Yeah. It's new. And you're like, that is older than America. They're like, the new wing. <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah, it's, and so that was like the fun of getting to write this book mm-hmm. is I felt like I could pretend like I was in that world for a little bit, even though I was in my studio apartment in Los Angeles all pandemic. Hey, that was all of us, like, <laughs> to some extent, right? In doing research for this book, did you look into the history of women in surgery? So yes and no. I I mean, unfortunately, as you might expect, there weren't a ton of women in early 1800 surgery. Um, But I did look up, there was a woman, depending on who you believe, uh, who allegedly dressed as a man to study surgery and to work as a doctor. So I looked into that history. And then I just did a ton of research about what it was like for surgeons in the 1800s. Like I read about Robert Liston and Lister and uh, Dr. Mooder, who, if anyone is listening in the Philadelphia area, they probably know Dr. Mooder for his weird museum. Uh, But it was just like a really fascinating time for bodies. Like for people were just getting bodies. They're like, yes, we're, we're finally understanding it. And it's really a turning point. And so that was really fun for me. And then I sort of had to build this character backwards, thinking like, Okay, here's a young woman who, even though there really aren't women in medicine, 
what type of person is either confident or delusional enough to think that she can be the exception and just goes at it full steam. And I sort of wrote her, my main character, Hazel, um, she's the niece of a nobleman, so she's has money and privilege. And she sort of grows up in this cocoon because her mother is incredibly depressed after the death of their uh, of her older brother. And so Hazel has sort of grown up in this like no man's land. So she like doesn't really know what's going on with society. And I think she has the privilege of always being rich mm-hmm. and has always been comfortable. Like it's the sort of delusional optimism that only comes from being incredibly privileged. So that's why she's like, well, yeah, I want to be a surgeon. Why wouldn't I be able to be a surgeon? Like, I've never not been able to do anything before. Yeah, people don't say no to me. It's like, I'll figure it out. And then, of course, when she runs into trouble, you know, uh, spoiler alert, it's not quite as easy as she thought. <laughs> well, there's another aspect to the story, too. There's a bit of an epidemic going yeah. around. Oh, You predicted that. I feel like this might be your fault. I think that might be my fault. Uh, yeah, if you can believe it, I pitched this book in 2019 before any of us had ever heard the phrase COVID. Uh, I mean, there were a lot of diseases going around in the 1800s. Yeah. Uh, and a murder uh, medical book obviously sort of needed that backdrop. Uh, yeah, it was sort of weird to be like, oh, no, is this way more relevant than I ever hoped it would be? I actually originally had a plot point that I had to cut with a character selling a cure for the disease in the book that turned out to be fake. And I took it out because I didn't want anyone to think that I had like some secret anti-vax agenda. Like, oh, what message is she sending? The doctors can't be trusted. And I just want everyone to know on the record, I have a 100% pro-vaccine agenda. It is crazy. You do have to think about stuff like that in times like, like now. I don't want to, yeah, I don't want to send any messages that I don't want to, you know, intend. This episode is brought to you by Libro FM. Libro FM is the first and only company which lets you purchase audiobooks directly from your favorite local bookstore. You can pick from more than 150,000 audiobooks, including bestsellers and recommendations from booksellers. You'll get the same audiobooks at the same price as the largest audiobook company out there. You know the name. But you'll be part of a different story, one that supports community. If you're new to audiobooks, they're the perfect way to get more books into your busy life. Listen during your commute, while doing chores, walking the dog, or just relaxing at home. All you need is a smartphone and the free Libro FM app. If you already love audiobooks and don't know what to listen to next, check out recommendations and curated lists from people who know audiobooks best booksellers. I mean, and us. We also have a playlist on there full of books that have been recommended on this podcast. Books in the Freezer special offer. You get two audiobooks for the price of one, just $14.99 with your first month of membership using code FREEZERBOOK. This offer is valid for new members in Canada and the United States. Thank you, Libro FM, for supporting the show. So you mentioned earlier about the woman that dressed up as a man to go learn anatomy. I mean, other than that, was there real-life inspiration for Hazel? Um, I would say the, the actual real inspiration was in a real-life surgeon named Robert Liston, um, who I want to make sure it was Robert Liston. I'm like, oh, no, I've read. Yeah, Robert Liston. Jesus. I got him. There's a Liston, and in the same time, there was also the surgeon Lister, who Listerine is named after. Oh. And so I feel like they've been jumbling around in my brain. 
But no, um, sort of the life of, of the real life surgeon Robert Liston is the experience that I sort of modeled Hazel on. And um, like I alluded to before, uh, James Barry is the surgeon who people think, some people say that uh, she was born a man and was uh, always known as a, a woman and dressed as a man to become a doctor, which is just sort of an interesting tidbit in history. Yeah. That is. So were there other interesting things you found researching? Oof, I think I, you know how people sometimes talk about that they would want to live in the past? Like they think it would be like, oh, it'd be so nice to live in the past. I think the main thing I took away from researching the medical world in the early 1800s is absolutely not. It would have been an absolutely terrible time to be alive. No one knew anything. People were killing people right and left. Surgeons weren't washing their knives. Surgeons weren't washing their hands. You know, at the time, actually, a, a bloody apron was considered sort of like a mark of pride for a surgeon because otherwise it sort of implied like, Oh, you're too high and mighty. You're not getting down in the in the trenches and working. Like nowadays, doctors wear white to show how clean their their clothes are. Back then, doctors were purposefully showing off how dirty their clothes were to be like, "Yep, that's me in the trenches, getting bloody." That's you know, top surgeon, bloody apron. Pe- <laughs> top surgeon, bloody apron. I think people also forget how miserable it probably would have been to be alive. Um, during the period in time where there's no deodorant and also no air conditioning. Yes, absolutely. Just a deadly combination. And I don't think people did a lot of like full immersion bathing. Oh, no, no. People were, you know, getting the gist of it. It was a cliff notes bathe. Yeah. I mean, I do. Listen, I'm on TikTok. I see all the like romanticized, like I'm an outlander. I have my gown and like the Scottish Highlands. Like I wish I lived at bed. Like, no, you don't. Yeah. People who romanticize um, like outlander, I think are romanticizing hot Scottish men, uh, but they should not be romanticizing the 1700s. (laughs) Truly a terrible time to be alive. Uh, Everything was awful. Just read like a single page of like a medical textbook where they're like, ah, a woman's humors are upset. So let's bloodlet her. Like people were, were doing insane things because they thought it would help. And they were so confident about it. How do you choose what you're going to research for an episode of Noble Blood? So Noble Blood is a lot of fun. I would say usually I come up with episodes while I'm researching other episodes. Like I'll be researching something and then I'll read a sentence and just be like, wait, hold on, more about this. And then I'll just put it on my list for later. Uh, I would say with Noble Blood, I only have to write, I mean, I only get to write um, about 3,000 words about each topic. So I pick these topics thinking like, okay, what's a good like main event? You know, a, a wedding, a massacre, a murder, a court case. I try to like anchor it around one big thing that I can take a bite out of and, you know, tell people the whole story in a half an hour. But the sort of downside of that is I I do very in-depth research and then two weeks later I'm on to the next subject and I find that like anything from three episodes ago, it just like is gone from my brain. I just, I delete it Sherlock Holmes style (laughs) just because I don't have room. Um, But anatomy, like I got the chance to really live in this era for two years. I, you know, I filled a, a bookshelf up with books about early 
1800 surgery and I got to sort of digest and take notes and choose what to keep and choose what not to keep. The big difference between noble blood research and, and writing anatomy is that I could make things up in anatomy, which was a lot of fun. When something was like a little anachronistic, you know, and I'm like, oh, I really want this, but it wasn't invented until like, you know, four years later, I would just be like, well, it is fiction. These are fictional characters in this world. Maybe someone invented it early. Um, so I, the, the most fun part was doing a ton of research and then choosing what I did and did not want to use. That is fun. Are you prepared for all the people that are going to be like, um, actually, that wasn't invented until then? Truly let them. I, at this point, I'm like, I, you, you've read the book. You know that, that without spoiling anything, the end is a departure from real science, uh, to my knowledge. Um, and so anyone who comes at me being like, this little thing is wrong or didn't exist then, I'm just like, you know what? This is a world in which fantasy fictional things happen. So just enjoy the book or don't, you know what? Or write a really long blog post and like inspire people to read more about historical research. That's also fun. Yeah. I say as if like my feelings wouldn't be hurt by the gentlest <laughs> criticism, but yes, I would. My It will hurt my feelings. It's gonna be like, chill out, Paris Geller. Yeah. We got it. Yeah, truly. So you get to pick what the episodes are about in Noble Blood, essentially. Yeah, Noble Blood is, uh, I mean, I've been doing it for about three years, but it's its my baby. I write and research every episode, and I record it in, you can see this, but this is an audio medium that we're recording, um, a closet right back there. <laughs> and it's been very exciting that, like, just a thing that I was really passionate about kind of grew and got a fan base, and I still work really hard on every episode and, and try to make it, so people like it. Just now, like recording mid-January, I'm talking to iHeartRadio, who you know hosts the podcast, about moving the show weekly and taking on uh, a writer to help work with me. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah. So we'll see how how that goes. It's very exciting. It is exciting. I do. I like Noble Blood, and it's a good like. My husband and I have such different interests, but it is like one of the podcasts that we agree on for like road trips because it's because it's like educational, but it's interesting. <laughs> so it's like a good bridge podcast. Oh, that makes me so happy. Tell your husband thank you very much. And thank you. Also, you also do um, Haleywood. Yeah. So that was um, my uh, producer at iHeartRadio came to me and was like, so have you heard this story about Bruce Willis buying a town in Idaho? And I was like, no, I've never heard of this story. And so they brought me on to help do, uh, to record and host this podcast, diving into the point in the 90s when Bruce Willis was the biggest movie star in the world. And he, I mean, basically bought a town. He sort of slowly and methodically bought up major properties on the main street of this tiny town in Idaho and sort of reshaped every business to suit exactly what he wanted. Uh, and just sort of the weird tension there between this guy who always wanted to be in charge of everything and famous, but also kept telling people he wanted to be anonymous. He was famously prickly and like prickly is a euphemism mm -hmm. for like downright aggressive with the press. It's just a wild story. It's eight episodes. It's all available now. If you search uh, Haleywood, wherever you get your podcast, you can listen to that crazy story. That is wild. And I had also heard nothing about that. Like, how, how did people not know about that? Was that a story that was I just, think, like, quieted down? I feel like he got in on the sweet spot before internet gossip culture. 
right? Like late 90s people, you know, were on the cover of tabloids, but it was a little different than like, you know, the the 24-hour news cycle and like insane attention we devote to celebrities nowadays. That is true. What a time to buy a town, I guess. Exactly. If you're going to buy a town, that's when you got to do it. The the golden age of town buying really is in the rearview mirror. The celebrity blind items would not let you today. No, uh, Moi, now I'm woefully uh, mispronouncing that, is the Instagram account that I follow. And it's my embarrassing guilty oh pleasure because it, it tells you where all the celebrities are at all times. <laughs> I just like to know where the celebrities are. What is your personal history with horror or like the morbid spooky? Oh, I mean, I love the morbid spooky. I remember reading The Shining up through like past my bed, like not my bedtime. I was, you know, a teenager at this point, but like three in the morning, four in the morning, could not go to sleep until I finished it. Like I loved Stephen King. That was like my big horror book diet. I love horror movies. My fiance does not like horror movies. So usually what I do is he works. I work from home. He works during the day. So I watch a lot of horror movies during the day because he's not here. Uh, In terms of books, I feel like I always gravitated towards books that even if they weren't horror had like a slightly macabre edge to them. Like I love Neil Gaiman books. I love the Sandman comic books. I loved um, Ray, some of like the spookier Ray Bradbury for adults. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. Orcs and Crake by Margaret Atwood. Things that sort of left you with an acidic taste in your mouth when you finished. I like that. What was your favorite Stephen King? Oh, God. I mean, misery is a basic answer, but it's just so, it like catches you by the throat. I think, I mean, the Stephen King I read most often, which is not a horror book, but is on writing, just because I think that's a genius book. And it inspires me to Whenever I feel like unmotivated or have writer's block, that's a book I go back to a lot. And it like reminds me why I enjoy writing. But misery really got me by the throat. It's an intense story. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't get through uh, Gerald's Game. The book or the movie? The book. I have never seen I tried to read the book and couldn't get through it. And then I was like, I guess the movie's not for me. The thought of um, degloving, just uh, too too far for me. Oh, my gosh. I was at my old job and I was listening to it as an audiobook and when it got to that scene I had to like study myself on the table because I was like I'm feeling yeah. I'm feeling faint <laughs> a book had, I've never had a reaction from that book before and I just had to be like <gasps> okay take a deep breath I was like pre-med in college I like had cut open rats and like I, I didn't think I was squeamish I was like I can do what I gotta do it really got me it really got me damn it Steve <laughs> So did you bring along some of that experience into Hazel when she has to like look at a body for the first time and it's like, this is different from the book. <laughs> there's yeah. just like, there's just guts in here. What does that mean? Yeah. So much worse. All those drawings are so neat and clean yeah. and you don't expect bodies to be wet. That's the big thing. Bodies are so wet on the inside. It's so gross. I remember my first, this was not my first lab experience, but one of my early lab experiences, I had to... I, I am so sorry to any like PETA advocacy people who are listening to this, but it was a, a, a lab. I had to cut off the tiny, the tiniest tip of rat tails to do PCR testing, like genetic testing. And you just use like surgical scissors 
but you think you know what it feels like and it is so much worse oh my gosh yeah that was a, a bad day at work crazy i thought like I was traumatized because in high school, like one teacher that I had, she taught anatomy for her other classes and they had like weeks where they would dissect cats, but they would just kind of like keep them to the side. And so you would be there for like another class and just see like a dead cat next to you. Oh, and that formaldehyde yes. smell. Oh, awful. I took AP physics in high school instead of AP bio because I didn't want to dissect a pig. A pig? Wow. Fetal pigs. Yeah. It smell it, mostly the smell at that point is the real gross part for me. Can I ask what is your favorite horror book? I'm sure you've talked about it in this podcast, but now I want to know so I can read it. I really loved Paul Tremblay's A Head Full of Ghosts. Oh, Paul Tremblay's so good. I haven't read that one. I read his more recent one. The Survivor Song, the like the other like pandemic one that came out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh but uh, I read a Cabin at the End of the World. Oh my gosh, that's a good one too. That one I had to like put down and take a break from because it's like home invasion trapped in a house. So I was like, yeah. okay, but head head full of ghosts. I'm putting it on my list now. Yeah, it's really good. So it's like different timelines, but it's essentially like this girl and her parents think she's possessed and they want to do an exorcism, but for financial reasons they agree to have it done as a limited series reality show so it's like a reality show about this exorcism and kind of there's a few different angles so one angle is the younger sister as an adult being interviewed about her experience and then in between is blog posts from somebody who grew up watching the show and is now kind of doing like a does it hold up I'm doing these blog posts to like really dissect these episodes and like see if it was real or we were duped so it's got like these different angles and I just love it wait that sounds so cool okay I have to read that I I read um uh the last book that I think I read that I was like oh no this hits too close to home in terms of like present day fears was um mr mercedes the stephen king book where a car plows into a bunch of people and kills them Mm -hmm. and that was one where i'm like oh no i'm scared of this in real life yeah too close too close to home too close i yeah i don't like things that i'm like this might happen to me but the that book sounds fantastic because i'm i'm not scared of exorcisms i think i can do that it yeah it's just the way that it's told and the psychological horror of it is I mean he's one of my favorite authors yeah but uh, so the podcast books in the freezer I don't know if you knew it was like a friend's reference to Joey putting the shining in the freezer oh of course <laughs> she's reading little women I mean he reads little women she reads the shining because it's it's too scary so that's the scale yeah. that we use for scariness like a really scary book goes in the freezer and then like fridge yeah. and room temperature so I always ask my guests what's a book they would put in the freezer I would put uh Gerald's game in the freezer yeah I would too yeah a hundred percent and I would say anatomy is like a chilled LaCroix and I, I like that. And I sold the cry. Yeah, you you can like read it. It's like fun. It's bubbly. It's like a little chilly on your hand, but it's not going to, you're not going to be cold. So, oh, one thing you do on TikTok that is fun is you give kind of like <laughs> morbid, his, like fun facts for parties. So do you have any yeah. cool fun facts, like horrific, morbid fun facts for our listeners to share? Oh, gosh. um, There was a trend in 
Victorian and pre-Victorian Europe of eating uh, ground up mummies. Mummies were actually far less rare than they are today. And they're rare now because so many people ground them into dust and ate them for medicinal purpose. Medicinal. Yeah. That's pretty gross, that right? Very that gross. people ate mummies. I'm just like, what is the grinding process like? Like with the, like, I'm just, I have so many questions. I would say probably without the rap okay, I, is my guess. But I, I, I'm just speculating here. I don't know. Gotta have my daily dose of corpse to keep this cold away, I guess. Yeah. I mean, nowadays we're, we're drinking whatever Gwyneth Paltrow tells us to. If, if she lived 250 years earlier, it would have been uh, mummy powder. And it would have been like really expensive and like oh yeah luxurious only for the super wealthy. Come in like a little um, jar shaped like a sarcophagus. I would love that as a marketing tactic for it. Yeah. Anything you're working on now? Yeah, I'm working on a sequel to uh, Anatomy. Ooh. So the ending uh, is a little bit of a cliffhanger and a little bit of a. I think people read the might get to the end and be like, wait, what? <laughs> And want to know, I hope, want to know what happens next. And the next part is coming. That's very exciting. So this is not the end of Hazel and her story. This is not the end of of Hazel and maybe not the end of Jack. But no spoilers there. Okay. Very fun. So we will have to keep an eye out for that. Something we like to ask our guests is for a chilling obsession. So that is something they have been enjoying in horror recently. Oh, good question. Um... This is so, I feel very basic, but if I say Midnight Mass, is that like the most basic answer in the world? I just started it several weeks behind the times because my older sister told me I would like it. I didn't watch Hill House. I don't know why. I just sort of, it was like early pandemic and I I missed it. And so I just started Midnight Mass and I'm really liking it. Oh, and Yellow Jackets. That's also horror adjacent. That's really fun. That's what I've heard. I need to get Showtime. That's like one of those that like everyone is talking about. I know. And yet, how do we all have Showtime? I didn't even know I had Showtime. I don't know. No, Midnight Mass is really good. Like I loved yeah. the island setting with all these characters. And then like how far did you finish it or are you still watching it? No, no, no. I, I mean, someone spoiled like the, the ending a little bit for me, but I'm still, I have like a few episodes left. Yeah, I, I really liked it. Everyone in it is so good. It's very, it's got a lot of Stephen King vibes. Yeah, that like small villagey. I like that. Again, I'm watching it sort of slower than I would otherwise because I have to watch it when my fiance is out of the house only. I feel that. I have the same yeah. relationship dynamic. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I get you. Well, another thing we like to ask all our guests is for a final girl song. I have a oh. Spotify playlist where I have everyone's answers to what their final girl song would be if they were in a movie. If I was in a movie, uh, Bad Reputation by Joan Jett. Nice. Is that a bait? I'm sure everyone's given that. I think one, one what, person has given that. I really do feel that. that. I think that would be my my final girl song. It just pumps you up. It really gets you going. It's a good, it's a good vibe. It's a good final girl song, like, I'm going to go kick some ass vibe. Yeah. Um, if I have to do, like, uh, like another... Uh, song if that's already on your playlist i'd go rebel girl by bikini kill okay another good final girl song um yeah tricky question i also just have to say on this podcast and i hope you like it i 
a year and a half ago worked with um, Rebecca McKendry, who's this amazing history writer. Mm-hmm. We co-wrote a Bring It On sequel, <gasps> horror movie sequel that's coming out on sci-fi this year. Oh my gosh, I didn't and know I you were part of that. Really I've fun. been like posting about it since the minute I heard. As like a oh lover, as a lover of like teen movies and horror, yeah. I was like, this this was made for me. I didn't know that was you. Thank you. Yes, Rebecca, <laughs> Rebecca and I co-wrote that movie. Oh my gosh, that is so awesome. I am is that- so pumped for it. <laughs> I mean, we I think we had a mutual love of like teen snarks and slasher movies. Mm-hmm. And we had fun with it. I really hope it's good. <laughs> so how far are you along into that process now? Is it like we did it. We wrote it. Oh. We revised it a thousand times and they're they're filming and, and putting it out next year this year. Oh my gosh, that's so exciting. It's sci-fi. Yeah. Sci-fi. Nice. Great. Yeah. It's very exciting. Yeah. So that's just like the one thing where I'm like, okay, if, like the, if this is fans of, of horror books, I feel like that might also be an audience for that wild thing we did. Oh my gosh. Absolutely. A hundred percent. I am beyond thrilled for that. Um, so thank you so much for coming on and chatting with me. Thank you so much, Stephanie. This was such a pleasure. Yeah. Where can people find you online? Oh, uh, yes. Find me online uh, uh, on Twitter at Dana Schwartz with three Z's. Uh, Instagram, also Dana Schwartz with three Z's. And if you are a cool teenager or my little sister, you can find me on TikTok, also Dana Schwartz with three Z's. Yeah. We're all on the TikTok. We're just being cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm extremely cool. Very natural. That's what people say about me. Cool, natural, casual. <laughs> You know what? It's fun, but there is nothing like cool and casual about like lip syncing and trying to get it right. But you know what? It's a good time. And that's all that matters. My fiance walked in on me the other day doing a lip sync and it was the most embarrassed I had ever been in my entire life. I I wasn't sure our relationship would make it through. And I'm still not sure. There's still a chance we don't make it to the wedding because of that. Oh my gosh. No, I... I know that. Well, like today I was like, I got ready and I'm like, I'm going to do some TikToks. And then my husband came home early from work and I'm like putting it away. Like what? Wasn't doing anything. Nothing. No, no, never. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, thank you so much again for coming on. And uh, by the time this episode's out, you can go get Anatomy, a love story. Please. I beg of you. Books in the Freezer is a bi-weekly podcast. We post episodes every other Tuesday. You can find us on Twitter at Books Freezer Pod, Instagram, Books in the Freezer, Twitter, Books in the Freezer. You can send us an email at booksinthefreezer at gmail.com. If you would like to support the podcast, there are a few ways to do that. One of them is to become a Patreon supporter. There's a one, three, and a $5 level all kinds of extras you can check out on there, like getting episodes early, bonus episodes, boxer chats, movie nights, a uh, whole thing. So if that interests you, you can go check it out at patreon.com slash books in the freezer. And also they recently added something cool, which is you can do like an annual one-time payment to support the podcast for the whole year. And you get, I think like a 10 or 15% discount when you do that. So worth checking out. Another way to support the podcast is to use the Amazon link that will be in the show notes. If you click the link, it just sends you to Amazon and you would do whatever normal shopping you would do on there. And a small percentage of that goes to help the podcast. 
If you would like to support the podcast but don't have any extra money to spend, that's totally fine. There are also a lot of ways you can do that, Um, like leaving a review on a site like Apple Podcasts or Spotify or just sharing about it on social media. You know, word of mouth helps small indie podcasts like this one. So thank you to all of you who have taken the time to do that already. I'm Stephanie. You can find me on Twitter at lady underscore Ganya. That's L-A-D-Y underscore G-A-G-N-O-N or on Instagram at that's what she read. And that's that's with two A's. So thank you for listening and see you next time on Books in the Freezer. (laughs) 